I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. There is a push in our culture to go hard, do more, and build it quickly. We tend to think that if we don't see immediate results, that it, whatever it is, is not working. Now, there are some instances where that kind of thinking and approach may be useful, but for the most part, anything worth building takes time. It takes perseverance and consistent small steps to build a thing, and that includes our family. Personally, I can easily get caught up in the need to see results right away, and I get discouraged and I lose momentum if it doesn't happen. I'm tempted to give up in my business, my personal growth, and even in my relationships. But then I remind myself that I will be more productive, successful, and content if I take a growing slow approach rather than a growing fast approach. This was especially difficult to do when my children were young. I often felt like I wasn't doing enough and the little things I was doing, they didn't matter. But As my kids got older, I realized that nothing was wasted, that seeds were being sown, and I am seeing the fruit of that today. All the while, God was cultivating perseverance, patience, kindness, and generosity in me. He was maturing me even when I didn't see it. So stay the course. You are doing better than you think you are. This week's guest, Jennifer Dukes-Lee, believes that it takes time to grow good things. After coming to a breaking point herself, she realized her lifestyle of running hard, scaling fast, and never-ending chase for results was taking a toll on her body, her heart, and her soul. In her new book and in our conversation today, she shares with us what it means to grow slow, some practices that will unhurry our hearts and minds, and how to embrace the small and good things in our lives. As we come out of this year of forced slowdown, I want to encourage you to resist returning to a life of hurry by putting only those things that line up with your values and passions on your calendar and to intentionally connect with your people. As Jennifer says, be mindful not to place resumes above relationships, performance over people, and achievements over affection. I am thrilled to tell you about the first ever Build Your Best Family Online Summit. It's free and it's going live on June 8th and it lasts four days. It includes 20 sessions of both biblical and practical insight into how to parent with peace and purpose. When you join the Facebook group, I ask if you could wave a magic wand, what would you like to change about your families? The answers to those questions, that became the framework for this summit. I took all your answers and I tracked down family experts to address these issues. It is going to be fabulous. The sessions last about 24 hours, but with the early bird pricing of only $27, you can get access to the summit on demand, plus get some free resources and discounts from our speakers. I'm so excited for you to join us. You can register with the link in the show notes of this episode or the many places that you can find Build Your Best Family or me online. Today, I'm talking with Jennifer Dukes-Lee. Jennifer lives on the fifth-generation Lee family farm in Iowa, where she and her husband are raising crops, pigs, and two beautiful humans. She writes books, loves queso, and enjoys singing too loudly to songs with great harmony. Once upon a time, she didn't believe in Jesus, and now he's her CEO. Welcome, Jennifer. It is so fantastic to have you on the podcast today. 
This is fun to get to connect at last. Yes. So a question that I ask all of our guests is what is your family known for? I think that we're probably most known for the fact that we live on a fifth generation family farm. Scott's dad and grandpa and great grandpa and great great grandpa. And here we are, you know, farming these 700 acres. So especially people that we get to know outside of our intimate in-person circle. They're just so intrigued mm-hmm. by this farm. And it's not like old McDonald had a farm where we've got a couple chickens and a couple cows. Yeah. We've got like over a thousand pigs and we've got 700 acres and big equipment. And it's really a neat uh, feeling to know that we help feed the world mm-hmm. and that we live in this environment where we're you know, sort of at the mercy of the weather and rain and drought. And Mm -hmm. it's really been, it's, it's really been special. And it's just so unique because we didn't plan on coming back here to be farmers, but this is where we are. So definitely, I think like, if you don't know us already, that's something that people are always so intrigued about. If you do know us and you walk Mm -hmm. through the front door of our farm, what you're going to see from our family is music. We love to, we, we actually took out the dining room table a few years ago and brought in a baby grand. And so in our dining room is just this, this black baby grand piano. You can act it. It's like a player piano too. So like if you put in it, we've got special CDs that we put in and yeah. it will play for oh, wow. us. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. And our daughter is our daughter Lydia is off to college and she's studying mm-hmm. clarinet and piano. Oh wow. I grew up singing around a piano with with my mom and my sisters and it's like that piano is sort of my therapist. It's where I go to sit and just mm-hmm. make music. So definitely like just having fun and making music and even if it's like turning on the Alexa and putting Apple Music through and like having karaoke yeah like harmonizing to 80s songs in the kitchen is how we roll on a Friday night with our friends I love that oh that's how I love what music does you know sometimes you know recently we've done I don't know how well in the last a year ago we would have people over because when we went to Italy and we learned how to make pasta and so we would have people over and we would teach them what we learned. And then we'd have Italian music in the background. We know that worship sets the, you know, worship music sets the tone, but even that cultural music and, and it just, whether it's like a spa music, whatever it is, it just can set the tone for your evening and your atmosphere and like what it is that you do in your family. And I just love the power of it. It's so true. And we went to the musical instruments museum mm-hmm. when we were down in Arizona over Christmas. Oh. And it's amazing to think that cultures separated around the world have all like from, from their beginnings yeah. created instruments that you beat on like a drum or yeah. that you blow air through like a flute or, you know, something that's a different kind of instrument, but globally in these cultures that never cross paths, figuring out how to make instruments that are sort of similar in some ways. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And music is just such a part of who we are as human beings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it is worship music or whether it's, you know, Italian music or like an 80s tune that I'm just going to rock out to if you, if you put on an 80s tune, I'm just going to be dancing to that thing. But music is powerful. Yeah, for sure. And I'm thinking of like my favorite songs that if I'm in a wedding, they will get me on the dance floor. 
Like they oh, can play yeah. everything. And all of a sudden that one or two songs come on and I'm like, I'm up. <laughs> what is it? What is that song for you? Oh, it's usually P- Kiss by Prince <laughs> or I want to rock right now. I'm rocking to get you down. <laughs> So get me I singing love, in my podcast. <laughs> okay, I love that Cotton Eye Joe song where oh yeah, you know you got the little uh, you know line dance yep. thing going on. Uh, yep. That's that, that's gonna get me out on the floor. Oh yeah, we did that over the summer. We were at a friend's house and we were in their jacuzzi, and that came on, and we got up, and my kids were like, "Mom, Dad, sit down, sit down." <laughs> we're like, "No, let's go." <laughs> um, but yeah, it got everybody up. That's a good one too. Oh my. All right. So you're here to talk to us about your book, not music, even though we could probably talk about music the whole episode. <laughs> we could. Um, so you w- tell us about why you wrote this book. It's called Growing Slow, but you didn't just write this chapter by chapter. You divided it into sections based on seasons. So tell us more about that. Right. So I wrote Growing Slow because I've been a grow fast girl for most of my life. And I could have written a book like that, like how mm-hmm. to hit your your targets and your goals in a month and how to push forward and mm-hmm. be the boss of your life. I could have written a real boss girl message, but I lived so much like that that I found I didn't even know that I had a problem until I went to the doctor and he's like, you essentially have a hurried heart. Like that can't be possible. I know like stressed out, hurried people. And I'm not one of those people, am I? Mm -hmm. And he's like, just, just take a look at the, look at the, the symptoms that you're having. And it was this anxiety that I felt that I was like chronically running out of time and that I was always running behind and I had weird aches and pains. I couldn't get to sleep at night. I, my high, I could literally feel sometimes my blood pressure rising. And I think that the answer was, I've got to multitask. I've got to check my phone when I'm in line at Target. Mm-hmm. I have to just eat standing up real quick while I also answer emails. Like everything was making me hurried. And interestingly enough, this isn't just about like how many things are on your calendar, because by this point in my life, honestly, I had stripped away so many different things in my life so much of the busyness, yet I still had this hurried heart. It was just hanging around the edges of my heart. Mm -hmm. And one, one spring we were unable to get into the fields as farmers because this, this rain just kept coming. And so we couldn't get in to plant our seeds. You can't go into a wet field. Mm -hmm. Some Mm -hmm. of them were just flooded. It was a Midwest problem for sure. But I looked out on that land and based on my experience of God's faithfulness through the seasons, I I said to myself, I said to God, said to the family, said to our church families, this is going to be okay. It's, we are going to grow something. We are going to have a harvest. It's just going to be a growing slow kind of year. And I began to wonder, could I believe for myself what I believe to be true about the land? Mm that God takes his own pace with me as well. That sometimes the things that I want to grow in my life don't grow as quickly as I would like. That I too am like a seed that is put in the ground that must wait, that sometimes is the growth is imperceptible day by day. But over time, I have grown something in my life and something has grown in me. And that I can be sure, assured come autumn seasons of life yeah. that there will be a harvest but also that I need winter. I need the season of winter in my life, not just literal winter outside of my window, but winter in my life. And I don't know a person who would say, 
gosh, I really love those winter seasons of the soul. <laughs> it's a hard word to hear that that uh-huh. one fourth of the seasons here on the farm are winter where everything is looks like it's dead, yeah. where the ground is frozen, where it seems like nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. But I look at the trees in winter and I think if a tree needs the winter to rest so that it could bloom again come spring, why do I think that I don't. Yeah. And so I moved then through these seasons. I wrote the book through seasons, wrote Mm -hmm. it over the the course of a whole year and really spent time looking at seasons as a metaphor for my own life and for others who want to learn what it is to grow slow. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, you're right. I mean, my husband often says he loves the winter. He loves living in the North because the winter kills all the bugs. He's not interested in living anywhere where it is the same all the time. And so I can appreciate that. But you're right. We don't always want that winter season in our lives, but it's necessary. That's right. For sure. All right. So I know, especially in many Christian circles, we've heard this message of slowing down before. I feel like it's kind of been in trend. Self-care has come back you know, even slow cooking, but I do realize that so many of us are not listening. So why do you think that is? I really think it's because we think we, we can't afford to slow down. We know that it sounds like a really good idea for somebody else, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem possible in our own lives because we look at our responsibilities. We look at our businesses and think they should be further along by now. We look at, if we're parents, we look at our our parenting and think, why isn't my kid reaching these levels at this point in the journey? And we think there's all these milestones Mm -hmm. that we have to meet or exceed. And it puts pressure on us to reach those milestones at, you know, at a cultural pace instead of just allowing seasons to to do the good work and allowing God to do good work in us mm-hmm. and through us. So I, I really think it's because we think we can't afford to. We think that, you know, I'm an author. So I, I deal a lot in that space where people are constantly thinking, I've got to hustle because I need to grow my Instagram. I need to mm-hmm. grow my Facebook. I need to grow my email list. Those are all real pressures that potential authors have upon them. And they feel like if they don't hit those markers by the time they're 35 or 40 or 45 or whatever it is, that they're going to be left behind and that their chance of being published as an author are gone. So, you know, I don't know what, as you're these listeners, you know, what I'm just speaking to you right now, like what you feel you must reach at this point in your life. If it's something in your marriage, or if it's something in your faith journey, if it's a business goal that you have, but I will say that you will be more productive mm-hmm. if you take a growing slow approach than if you take a growing fast approach. I can guarantee it that in the long run, you will be actually more successful with growing mm-hmm. slow instead of growing fast. And you'll have, you'll have a, better, a better business, a better family, because with slow growth, the same as a plant, you give it time to put down good roots. And I'm sorry for those people who say roots, roots, (laughs) but I say roots here in Iowa. So I'm just going to go with it, but you put down good roots and that makes the plant sustainable through Mm -hmm. the storms. Like if you try to grow fast in a, in a false way, like inflating growth at a pace that is not intended for you or your business or whatever, it's not sustainable. You can't keep that going. You've got to take the time to grow slow and put down good roots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, as you're talking, I was thinking about 
you know, I have teenagers now and I remember when they were really, really little, like I always felt like I should have accomplished more or I should be somewhere else or I should be doing more right now so that I'm going to be prepared. And I do look back and think, oh my gosh, for all those friends of mine who still have littles, I'm like, it's okay. It's okay to be in the season that you're now that you're in now and just enjoy it and not have it all figured out. There's there's a piece that I do have in that, but at the same time, I personally struggle with thinking now that I have to hustle to make up for lost time or lost opportunities. And as I see my teenagers, I have my oldest is graduating high school. I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, like, did I do enough? Did I teach her enough? And so can we hang out here a little bit and, and unpack that about how we can kind of break down, break that down so we can really lean into the present and what we have in front of us. Right. And so as parents, when we're, they say the days are long, but the years are short. Mm -hmm. You've heard that saying, right? Yeah. And how true it is. Like when you're in the midst of the monotony of, you know, scooping applesauce onto Dora the Explorer plates and (laughs) throwing, you know, back when my kids were little, it was baby Einstein on DVDs, right? Mm -hmm. Like just, I got to get them in front of this DVD for just 30 minutes so I can do my real work. And my, my quote, real work, what I thought was like, I got to start a blog and I've got to start this, like this new social media stuff I got to figure out. Like Mm -hmm. I have to do all that. And that's my real work. And looking back, like hindsight is such a good teacher. Looking back, I see the real work was all of those late night harmonizing sessions around the piano. The the real work were the text messages as my kids got older, like Snapchatting with my kids. And the mm-hmm. real work was being with them at 3 a.m. when they were sick and in the bathroom. And, you know, all of that made up the real work that I am most proud of in my life more than anything else. And if I could just have a mom sit across the table, I would just say, you're doing the real work right now. And there will be time later. And that that is such a such a hard word to hear because we all have those goals. And I think it's okay to like, you know, when the kids are napping or they or you're just having have these have some playtime in the corner while you're trying to accomplish a creative venture or whatever it is that that gives you additional joy. There's no, there is no problem or, or anything wrong with those sorts of things. And I understand it, but I think just to give yourself some grace as, as you move through those seasons and knowing that the time will come when you'll, Mm -hmm. you'll be able to have more time to do the other work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. You'll be so much more rooted and stable for the time that you've taken to just lean in and be present in those moments. Absolutely. And I see, I see the fruit of that in really cool ways now that the girls are older. Like last year, Lydia, during her last year here at home, she says, mom, let's read through the Bible in a year together. And we did that together. And she gets up every morning and even at college is filling out her prayer journal and reading her Bible and starting out her day that way. And I'm not saying it's because because of mom, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. but what I am saying is they grew up in a home where they saw what that looked like. Mm-hmm. And all of those little things add up to who these children that we are growing slowly. Mm-hmm. And eventually those things that they see us do will take, they will, they will 
sort of rub off. Not always. And, you know, even now, like Lydia's better at reading her Bible and doing her prayer journal than I am. <laughs> you know? I'm like, oh, I'm learning from you, girlfriend. You're, you're doing it way better. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Now you had mentioned earlier, and I can totally relate to this, like you were saying that you had already slowed down quite a bit. And I know for many of our families, the pandemic has stripped so much off of our calendar. So yeah, we already are doing less, but even I sometimes have this sense of uneasiness, this feeling of like, I need to be doing more. So I'm wondering like, what are some practices for families that want to let go of that unhurry in their heart and their mind? Like, what were some things you did? Was it just like, oh, I get this now. I'm going to change the way I think. Or was there some things that you had to do? Right. So I wrote the last three chap- chapters during that time of enforced slowness. Like, what does it look like when we're stripped of, of everything and there is no obligations? There's nothing on the calendar for many months. But at times I still had a hurried heart. And what was that all about? And it gave us, the the pandemic gave us a very like stripped down view of who we really are mm. and what our numbing mechanisms are and our coping yep. mechanisms are and who we really want to be because we suddenly had this time to, to think it all through. And some of the practices, some of these I'd already had in place, but they mm-hmm. became even more you know, really more anchored in to Mm. my life were, they were simple things, things that we could all do. They were daily walks. And I know that a lot of people that are listening were taking those too. Like I took walks on these country roads and saw things in my own like square four mile area that I'd never noticed before Mm. because I was not in a hurry. I was just walking along, enjoying God's creation through seasons. It was just kind of coming out of winter and moving into spring. And as it turned greener and greener day by day, I would notice, you know, what God was doing in our world. So certainly, you know, getting outside, like stepping outside your front door for just even a few minutes every day, Mm -hmm. like bare feet on the ground, getting in touch with this place that we live. Like, could could we do that? I think we can. There's a slowness to that. There is a, a slowness to actually sitting down to eat. I have a horrible habit of eating while standing up, taking a bite, answering an email, throwing in a, a load of laundry, coming back, taking another bite, putting away something that's on the floor, and, and then forgetting to eat mm-hmm. the rest of my meal. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it's so it's, it's such a hurried way. And I don't even enjoy my food in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Sitting at the table just a little bit longer with your family, like lingering around the table is a great practice. Another is refusing to check your phone at stoplights. And I I mean, (laughs) you know, we've all done it, right? (laughs) Because if you're, if you're checking your phone at a stoplight or you're checking your phone in the grocery store store aisle or at the checkout of Target, what happens is there will be something that feels urgent in the email potentially that you need to answer right then, but you can't because you are not in a position of time or space that you can answer that. So how that creates a hurried heart then is it's hanging around the edges of your heart and you can't do a thing about it. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, refuse to do those kinds of things when you're not in a position that you can do anything about them. Another really great practice 
to unhurry your heart is waking up 10 minutes earlier than you normally would just for the sole purpose of setting the tone for the day. And that doesn't necessarily have to mean like, this is when I'm going to read the Bible or do my quiet time. It could be as simple as laying on your back in your bed with your eyes open and just taking deep breaths in and out and putting your feet on the floor and just feeling the ground beneath your feet, Mm -hmm. going to the kitchen. And even before you have that first cup of coffee, like a cold drink of water and looking outside your window at your backyard and thanking God for it, because there's beauty in your own backyard. And if you're not going to thank God for it, then who is? Because nobody else sees that every day. Yeah. And so, just, I mean, whatever it looks like, just taking these 10 minutes, I promise, just 10 minutes, will ha- you will stop that hurried heart before you begin a day. Mm-hmm. And it can really set a tone. Yeah. Oh, I love all those. I mean, I know when my husband was working in person in the city, um, in Manhattan, I would say you have to take a break. Just like block it out in your calendar every day to just go outside and walk around the block. Like you can do it even if you're working full time outside your home. There there are things if you can apply these principles, look at your situation and, and figure out how they can apply to your situation. I bet you you could find ways that they can. I know that if I'm home by myself and eating by myself, I'm multitasking. But what if I just ate my food? Like, <laughs> right. So as you're saying this, I'm like, oh my God, you're totally right. There's certain times of the year and certain weather conditions that create these beautiful pink skies. And sometimes I'll wake up and I'll see them. But what if I just walked to the window and just looked a little bit longer? What you're saying to me so resonates because I can find times to incorporate them in my day for sure. There's a practice. I I now call it the growing slow method. I didn't even know it was a practice. I didn't even know it was a method. It's just this thing that I've done for a very long time that mm-hmm. is relates to what we're talking about right now. And it's based on three R's and it's, it's in the book. Mm-hmm. It's in growing slow, but it's based on three R's and the practice is remember, reflect and return. And so mm-hmm. I remember something, whether it's pink skies, like, ah, take a picture of that, look back on it later, mm-hmm. whether it's something I heard or read or a Bible verse or a song lyric or some bit of advice that a friend sent me by text, whatever it is, like I, it's really almost a daily practice for me. And I do it on Instagram a lot, mm-hmm. but I remember the thing. And then I reflect on what that means. Why is that so important? What, what is that hitting and taking mm-hmm. time to do that? Like, why is that pink sky so important to you, Kimberly? What does that remind you of? Is it because you just know that God just made something beautiful for you to pay attention to? Yeah. And my background is in design and architecture. And so I just, I think about the creativity and just the beauty because I do truly believe beauty matters. And I feel like in the hustle and bustle of life, we put it to the side. When I was working full-time in the field, like we would often, beauty would be left on the table so that we could provide efficiency or so that we could just meet the budget in a way that maximized the results. And so I really, I really care about the beauty of a space and I really care about the design of a space and what it can do to our hearts and what it can do to even the way we function. And so when I see that beauty, I'm like, we didn't come up with this. Yes. <laughs> this is God's idea. That's but, it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I love it. The colors, just the, even just what it does, how it, how it sets my heart when I see it. 
Yeah. So this is a slowing practice. You remember, you see it, you remember that God made it. You remember mm-hmm. what beauty is. You reflect on that, all the sorts of things that you just mm-hmm. told me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be poetic. I mean, not everybody's yeah. going to think in such poetic terms as you do. And that's okay. If you're not that kind mm-hmm. of a person, just reflect <laughs> on it, people. We can, do, we can all do this. And then the last yeah. thing is return. And I call it returning to the land that is your life. And so for me, that what I would do in that situation is when I return to the land that is my life, I would remind myself, I'm going to every day come out and look at a sunset. That's what, that's how I'm going to apply this in a practical way in my life. Mm -hmm. This meant something to me today to see that sunset. Mm -hmm. I reflected on why this matters. And therefore, when I return to the land that is my life, I'm going to slow down enough to pay attention to future sunsets. Mm -hmm. Or if it is, if it's a, if it's a, if it's a Bible verse I read about how God answers prayers, I'll write that down. Like, remember this one, Jennifer. I'll reflect on why that's important that God answers prayers and, and that he's listening. And then I will return to the land that is my life and pray in a way that really believes that. So it can literally be anything, anything yeah. but it is a growing slow method that always, always causes me to stop spinning my spinning my wheels. Yeah. I mean, think another good example when I see like my, my husband with my son and I see them laughing, laughing together and see their enjoyment of one another when they do some of the things they like to do together. I mean, even that's a moment to reflect on. It could be, it can show up in so many ways. That's right. Yep. And you know, like I do this a lot on Instagram, on my regular posts, even like I'll read something in the morning in my Bible and it's something I want to remember. And so I do share it with my people on Instagram because I think it's valuable, but a lot of times it's a way for me to remember, reflect and return. And so my posts read that way. It's like, this is what I want to remember mm-hmm. Then I reflect on it, what it means. And then I, I turn around and say, this is how I'm going to return to the land that is my life and make it real mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's just it, for me as a writer, that's the way it comes out. If you're a photographer, it's going to come out a different way. If you're a painter, mm-hmm. it's going to come out a different way. If you're you know, an accountant, it's going to come out a different way. But I think it's an important practice. It's an important growing slow method that really works. Yeah, I love that. All right. So what does it look like to embrace the small and good things that are already bearing fruit in our lives? Going back to the work we do, we're looking, we're always looking for the big things, right? The big numbers, the big impact, but let's talk more about those small and good things. Right. So we are growing good things all the time in our life that just, we don't take time to celebrate because we're looking forward to the next thing. And we, we aren't even really very good at celebrating the big things. So if we can't even Mm. celebrate the big things, then how are we going to celebrate the little things? Like we had a party just a year and a half ago. It's actually, I wrote about it in the book. A dear friend was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and she was so dear to all of us. And we had a party just to celebrate her life. It was a Downton Abbey themed party that we had in the neighbor's shed on their farm and completely transformed that shed into um, an abbey, into a castle. And we were in our costumes and, uh. and Trish didn't know that the party was for her. She thought she was helping plan this party for somebody else. <gasps> well, when she shows up the, at the party for, as Mrs. Patmore, we, we told her this, this party is for you. And we're just celebrating the fact that you are here, mm-hmm. that you're alive. And if we could just 
pause and celebrate the fact that we are here and that we are alive. You know, Trish isn't here anymore. She passed away a little over a month ago. And I reflect on those pictures and that moment all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to celebrate those little things that God is growing in our friendships, in our children, in our own selves, and see that even in times when it seems like nothing really great is growing, that God is growing some things in Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. He grows things through us, for sure, that can be measurable by numbers and metrics, but he's growing a lot of things inside of us that can't be measured in that same way. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And every once in a while, I will have a friend tell me, remember what you did two years ago? I don't think you know how, what an impact that had on me. And that's not, I'm not sharing that to pat myself on the back. I'm sharing that to say, you know, I think a lot of the things that I do go unseen. And when I hear somebody say, hey, I remember this, this mattered. It makes me, it reminds me to continue to do the good work or to continue to do what I believe is in front of me, what I've been given to Stuart, what I believe I've been called to do and to just keep showing up for people. And and I'm so grateful for those reminders because I think most of the time, especially even in moms as families, like we don't, no one's giving us credit. Like we're not getting check marks every day. <laughs> no. I mean, I keep thinking when my kids leave, they'll, then they'll realize. Where are my gold stars? <laughs> Somebody. Done. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think that's important. I think it's important to celebrate people. I think it's important to celebrate. Um, Absolutely. And yeah. And just like, just the, the act of like, if you're making food for your family, just the act of making food mm-hmm. and feeding the bodies of people who you share a home with, mm-hmm. those are the small, good things that are bearing fruit. Yeah. You are helping a person grow. I yeah. mean, there it's so small, but it's so, it's so important that times when you're putting a child to bed and, you know, you're, you're reading that good night moon or whatever it is for the 200th time And, you know, that all of those things add up to small, good things that are bearing fruit that we don't even really know until, you know, sometimes years later, we're just trusting the process. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. All right. So you had mentioned before about the rainy season that you guys experienced in your book. You talked about how you looked over the back 80, wondering if good things would grow in all of these fields again. So that resonated with me because I would love for you to give some encouragement to us, the listeners who are wondering if good things will grow out of this last year of so much restriction and so much loss and so much stripping away. Absolutely. So sometimes the crops that grow in the fields um, of our lives are the things that we planted and that we nurtured and fertilized and prayed over. and, Mm -hmm. And those things are the measurables. But quite often, and I am believing this the older I get, is that God is more concerned about what he is planting in us and that we ourselves are God's field and that he Mm -hmm. is planting in us good things and that he is teaching us perseverance and patience and kindness Mm -hmm. and generosity and creating us to be the kinds of people that he wants us to become. He's maturing something in us even when the fields that he has given us to plant and be productive aren't bearing fruit. He is producing a harvest in us. And to be encouraged by that, that 
that we may see in 2024 and 2026 some fruit that was born out of that heartache. I mean, that's the way God rolls. He's like constantly in the business of trading ashes for beauty in raising, you know, bringing the dead to life. And, you know, as this, this song goes that I've been hearing a lot, turning uh, graveyards into gardens. Mm -hmm. And so this is, this is his specialty. So whatever looked like a graveyard in 2020 that we can trust that it becomes a sort of fertilizer for new growth within us, or maybe even through us. I think that there's a lot of people that picked up a new hobby or a a new great habit Mm -hmm. or had finally had time to do some, something in their business. Not, it didn't work that way for everybody, but it did work that way for some people that they Mm -hmm. moved forward on things that they hadn't ever tried before. So that Mm -hmm. it could be that external fruit that grows. And if it does, you know, we're going to celebrate with you, Yeah, (laughs) but it could be, it could be that internal fruit that bears, bears just a great harvest in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And looking out, keeping our eyes open for those be for sure it helps. All right. So thank you so much for being with us today. This was incredible. I appreciate it. Me too. It's just a joy to get to be with you. You can find Jennifer at jenniferdukeslee.com. She's on Instagram as Jennifer Dukes Lee. I'll link to all of that plus where you can find her book in the show notes. If you want to dig deeper into what we talk about on the podcast each week, check out the Build Your Best Family Facebook group. It's where we hang out with some fabulous women and we practice what we've learned. There's also encouragement, group coaching, and incredible resources there too. Remember, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose.